transfer student with no friends or acquaintances. She was an awkward, gangly slip of a girl, still in the early stages of her transition. She caught my eye almost immediately. Even then, she was extraordinarily beautiful, lithe, soft-faced, with a shy, almost frightened expression. That she would blossom into the radiant, self-assured woman now sitting across from me still baffled the imagination. Of course, that first impression could not have prepared me for her poetry. In retrospect, her early work contains all the earmarks of a novice writer, particularly in its rough-hewn confessional subject matter, yet it easily surpassed what one might normally find in an introductory-level creative writing course. Her early work consisted of emotionally bracing poetry about her battles with gender dysmorphia, her transition, and coming out to her conservative parents. But even that description cannot do justice to her startling experimentations with form and language, the harmonious arrangements and surrealist imagery that knocked the wind out of me. She was clearly the sort of poet who followed Ezra Pound's dictum to make it new. I was smitten. From that moment on, I had taken her on as my protege. Make no mistake, my interests in her were not prurient or untoward. To be honest, I had been celibate since my wife's passing six years ago. I was an older man now, settling happily into middle age, and the idea of fooling around with students had never really appealed to me. I was more interested in teaching the fundamentals of creative writing than using my position to seduce young girls getting their first taste of independence. I know I differ from some of my colleagues in this respect, but I still maintained my boundaries. Of course, Tomiko was different. She had always been different. I cannot deny that certain moments between us were fraught with sexual tension. There had been a few fleeting moments of flirtation. A kiss on the cheek, a, a semi-suggestive pat on the back. Nothing serious. Neither of us had ever really made the first move, nor did I think it appropriate to do so. I still remember clasping her hand and embracing her during the transgender day of remembrance, her slight frame lost momentarily in my middle-aged bulk, but that had been the extent of our intimacy. She graduated last month with a 4.0. Top of the class, of course. I sincerely doubted we'd be seeing her for much longer. To the surprise of absolutely no one within our department, she had decided to attend graduate school and work on her MFA. We were all very excited to see her take this first big step. Of course, I was sad to see her go, but did not express these feelings outright. She had given me a veritable laundry list of schools she wanted to apply to, but one school reigned supreme for her the Iowa Writers' Workshop. A prestigious school, to be sure, although I had no doubt she had the talent and experience to get in. So, I'd volunteered to help her out. She strolled into my office one afternoon, a massive stack of manuscripts in her arms, and asked if I would mind helping her put together a strong writing portfolio for the University of Iowa. I gave her a warm smile, and asked if she'd prefer an informal dinner at my place, followed up with a little collaborative work on her application materials. She beamed at me and nodded vigorously. That sounds just wonderful, Professor Williamson, she said. Should I bring the wine? But now she looked slightly tense and frustrated, kicking off her ballet flats as she penciled through rough draft after rough draft. Her shapely snow-white calves flexed alluringly, but I made an effort to look away. I didn't want to become the stereotypical, perverted professor. It seems unfair, you know? she said, polishing off her third glass of Pinot Grigio, trying to handpick a dozen or so poems that represent you as a writer. The whole process is weirdly... 
dehumanizing. I feel like my eyes are going to bleed out of their sockets. I chuckled. <laughs> it sounds like you need another drink. Only if you've got something harder than this, she said. The selection process is just... just brutal. You don't want to be repetitive or pigeonholed into a single category, and yet all of my best poems are so similar in tone and theme. I don't want them to think I'm a one-trick pony. But I also grouse at the thought of them picking through my old stuff. I sauntered over to her chair and stood behind her, placing my hands upon her semi-exposed shoulders. I wanted to comfort her, although the thought of touching her further filled me with both dread and wonder. You're really overthinking this, Tomiko. You're not going to be penalized for consistency, I said, squeezing her shoulders slightly. Keep doing that, she said, lowering her voice into a near inaudible hum. Keep doing what? My shoulders, she said, gesturing with her.